played it across. There's the record for CJ Savard, number 15. It's the speed of Pico. He's in. Score. Vava for another union. Hello, everyone. We're back here at the KYW Philly Soccer Show. I'm KYW's Greg Rolandini. And I'm Mike Servideo from Philly Soccer Page. And we got a couple guests this week, kind of mixing up a little bit. First, we're going to talk to Jeff Carlisle uh, from ESPN, talking about the U.S. Soccer Federation election. Yeah, and that happened. That definitely happened. And then uh, the new kid on the block, uh, Coach Christian O'Leary from uh, Lang CFC expansion team down the shore in the MPSL. You guys are going to love his accent. He's uh this guy's got a lot of energy. You're going to want to you're going to want to suit up it. for him and uh, play for him yourself after you hear this guy. So uh let's uh, check it out. You are at the uh U.S. soccer presidential elections that were held down in Orlando over the weekend. Fair to say this wasn't the result a lot of people expected? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I certainly I wouldn't call it an upset because I think going into the weekend, uh, just about everyone thought it would come down to, to Kathy Carter or Carlos Cordero. But um, you know, the, the sense was that Carter was beginning to get a little bit of separation and um, – you know, she had obviously a lot of the pro council, um, and I'm told that included not only the NWSL but also the USL. So I mean, she's starting out with a you know a 24 percent cushion that that not every other candidate had. So um, so yeah, I think the expectation was that Carter would win, but you know, the moment that uh, it emerged that, that Cordero had secured the athletes' council, you know, then it. it you know, everyone, I think, kind of reevaluated, you know, what what they thought was going to happen. So, uh, and and I give credit to Cordero. You know, he, you know, ultimately he built a broader coalition than than Carter did. And, and certainly for Carter, that was always going to be the challenge. You know, she had the the pro council vote, but was she going to be able to convince the state associations, you know, both at the adult and youth levels, that that she was the best candidate? And I think ultimately Cordero did a better job of that. So now that. Cordero's in. Uh, what do you see as his first order of business? Is it the national team coach? Is it you know, something else, something broader, maybe? Well, to hear him talk about it, it's securing the World Cup because obviously, you know, in the next month, you know that that decision is is going to come down. But um, you know, I, I think certainly the priority is to. I mean, first he's got to fill the, the GM slots you know, on both the men's and the women's side. I mean, the, the men's has a little bit more urgency to it because there, there's no manager, obviously, at the moment. And, and then hopefully, you know, they'll, they'll quickly move to, to get a coach in or, or at least start those discussions. I mean, it, it remains to be seen whether someone who's currently coaching in the World Cup this summer would interest them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that, that process needs to get started. And, um, you know, it's really not going to be until then that I think, you know, U.S. fans – are going to be able to move on really from what happened in Trinidad because, you know, I think it's kind of a thankless job that Dave Sarakin has at the moment in terms of continuing to, mm-hmm. to manage this team in games. But, um, you know, he is part of the old regime. And so, uh, you know, I, I think once a new coach gets named and brings in his own staff, you know, I, I think it's at that point that, that people will really be able to look forward again. So do you think you know, U.S. soccer is, is as kind of fractured – 
for lack of a better term, as it's ever been, I think, you know, if you want to call it maybe the modern era since 1990, since they qualified for that World Cup. Um, do you think Cordero is the guy to kind of, you talk about him building consensus and all that kind of working behind the scenes. Is he the guy to kind of get everybody kind of back in line, do you think? Um, he could be. I mean, it, it, it's always difficult to gauge, you know, what gets said in a campaign and, and, and what happens once someone actually takes over for real. I mean, I, I, I keep hearing that, you know, his management style is much different than that from Sunil Gulati. You know, it's a lot more inclusive. You know, he's much more of a consensus builder, you know, with, with people on the board. And, and certainly to hear him talk after he, he won on Saturday, you know, he, he, he kept talking about wanting to make the board work harder, to get them more engaged. I, I think, you know, what's happened over the last decade or so is that, you know, Gulati amassed all this power, and so and he was kind of making decisions you know, with him, you know, with Dan Flynn, you know, they were kind of making these decisions on their own, and and so I think the board was kind of, you know, lost influence and 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 kind of lost some energy in terms of trying to to figure out what what was ailing the USSF. So, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, Cordero brings some new energy and brings a different style and and kind of gets you know the whole machine, if you will, working again. Um, but again, you know, it's. We're going to have to wait and see. It's, it's, you know, I think these next few months are going to be very important for Cordero just to convince people that all this talk of change wasn't just talk, that, that he's actually going to put these things into action. So, and you've seen a little bit you know, of that going on. I mean, the, the, I think the creation of the GM positions was kind of the first step to try to, try to change things and, and make the whole organization run more effectively. Um, but again, it's, you know, I, I think... There's been a lot of talk during this election, you know. I think, you know, not to speak for the entire, you know, U.S. soccer community, but I, I think there's a general hunger to see him actually put some of these things into action, and and I think that will go some ways towards, uh, you know, giving the the fan base some peace of mind that that things will change, that that isn't that it isn't just going to be the status quo, because I think there's some deserved skepticism at the moment, given that Cordero kind of comes from the establishment, so. You know, we'll see what happens, you know, over the next few months. So with the GM positions coming in and, like you said, kind of the push to get the board more involved, the power of the president is going to be much more diffused now, it seems like. Yeah, and I think that's something that Cordero is, is pretty comfortable with. Um, and I think that that's coming from the board as well. I think they look at this as an opportunity to kind of, you know, take back their mandate, which is to kind of, you know, make these decisions and, and, and have more, a more collaborative environment. So, uh, you know, well, and I, you know, I know that, you know, when it came out that the president was not going to be as empowered as, as maybe Gulati had been there, there was some, some gnashing of teeth, but, you know, I think, I think we've seen what happens when, when decisions kind of get made by one or two people. And, um, you know, you look at, not just the Klinsman situation, but, you know, the whole Tom Sermani uh, debacle on the women's side where he was hired and then they decided pretty quickly that, you know, maybe he's not the guy they want. So I think that's a, you know, that's an example of how there needs to be more consensus. There, there needs to be a more thorough process in terms of, of who gets picked and, and how, and if things aren't going well, you know, how they get fired. I mean, I think there was a little bit of knee jerk, uh, uh, 
reaction, you know, in some of those decisions as well. I mean, certainly in the case of, of Sermani, I thought it was a bit of a knee-jerk reaction. So, um, so yeah, I think, you know, just to get back to your original question, I, I think you will see the power of, 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 the, of the president, you know, lessened a little bit. Uh, certainly, I think Cordero will continue to work with Dan Flynn, um, but you will see a more engaged board of directors as well. So there was a group, you know, we call them, you know, the outside, you know, the anti-establishment uh, candidates, if you will, guys like Eric Manolo, Kyle Martino, uh, you know, Hope, throw Hope Solo into that, weren't successful in garnering a lot of votes. But do you think they were successful in maybe spotlighting some issues that are plaguing uh, uh, U.S. soccer? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, all eight candidates helped broaden the debate. Um, you know, I can remember back when, when Steve Gans, you know, announced, you know, in the middle of last year that, that he was he was looking into this and then announced it formally in September. Um, you know, it seemed like it was just going to be him against, you know, Sunil Gulati. And, and again, it was, you know, the number of candidates was going to be limited. But then, you know, once Trinidad happened, then everybody, it seemed, was throwing their hat in the ring. So, you know, I think a, a lot of good ideas, you know, came out of this. Um, and, and certainly, I think, by the end of it, if you went to the trouble of reading all the platforms and, and all the, you know, the vision statements, if you will, you know, there was a fair amount of overlap. But, um, you know, I, I do think, you know, it was, you know, some good ideas came out of this. And, I, you know, even, you know, the, the promotion relegation debate, you know, I think it was healthy to kind of have that in the open and, and have it debated at that level. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, I think, the election was better for having those ideas, and, and I think U.S. soccer will be better for having those ideas. You know, I think another challenge for Cordero is to to not just look at his own platform, but maybe to, to cherry-pick some ideas from, from other candidates and, uh, and, and look at those and, and see if, you know, maybe those are things that, that should be implemented. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think the debate... I get that it was toxic at times, but I, I just think in just in terms of the ideas that, that were put forth, all of that was healthy for the system. And Sunil Gulati's not going away because he's not president. No. Uh, we spoke, uh, I think, after after Trinidad uh, about you know his possible future, and he still has his hands on a lot of things involving U.S. soccer. Oh yes, I mean first and foremost, you know the bid committee, you know for the the hosting rights for the 2026 World Cup. I mean, he's going to be, you know, hugely involved in that. And he's still a member of the FIFA Council. So, uh, you know, he's – and I, obviously, you know, there were – I had heard that the Cordero and Gulati had, had a falling out and that, you know, Cordero's decision to run before Sunil had decided, you know, put a huge strain on their relationship. And, you know, I think that's all true. But – you know, at some point, you know, they're going to have to, to, to work together again. I mean, obviously, Gulati has – he's a consummate politician. I mean, he knows how to move within FIFA circles, and that knowledge is going to be hugely necessary, I think, for Cordero to do his job. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, Gulati is not going away in any way, shape, or form. I mean, he's, he's still, you know, a huge political player, you know, in terms of – of FIFA, and um, and again, you know, one thing that Cordero said in his press press conference on Saturday was that uh, getting that getting those hosting rights. I mean, that's that's massive, you know, for the 
and for the U.S. in, in order to grow the game. But it, it can't just be that. I mean, there have there have to be some some sensible reforms and some good ideas that come out so that when you know if the U.S. and, and Canada and Mexico win those hosting rights, you know, when 2026 comes along, that infusion of cash can can really help catapult the sport. I mean, it, it's you know, if you're waiting for those ideas until 2026, you know, I think that's it's going to be a little bit too late. Um, you know, I, I think the ideas need to be discussed and, and, and teased apart now so that, you know, when, when that World Cup comes along, you know, the U.S. can take full advantage. So the men's team missing the World Cup is not the only problem U.S. soccer has right now. You have some labor strife with your women's team. You have... Uh, and, and you have these these legal battles involving your pro leagues. And, you know, there's other things, too, but those are kind of seem like those three things are kind of like your biggest problems. Um, these legal issues and these labor issues, is there any fear that they could just at some point overwhelm U.S. soccer and, you know, just be too much to handle for uh, Cordero and a couple of years we'll be, we're going to be back at square one looking for another president? Is, is, that, is there a fear of that kind of floating around? Um, I don't have that fear at the moment. Um, you know, we'll see, you know, first of all, we'll see what happens with, you know, the, uh, the appeal that the NESL has over the injunction that they were trying to obtain. And I mean, it's my understanding that regardless of what happens, you know, you know, Rocco Camiso and, and, and the NESL are going to continue, uh, you know, with this, with this antitrust suit. So it's, I don't see it overwhelming the federation. Um, I, I certainly, it could be a significant distraction. Um, you know, if, if they're, you know, if the legal team is having to spend their time, you know, wading through emails and, and you know, going through the process of discovery in terms of materials that the NESL wants. I mean, yeah, that that could be a huge distraction. I, I don't see them getting overwhelmed. Um, but you know, again, we'll we'll see how these lawsuits progress. It's you know, far be it for me to predict, you know, how the courts are, are going to rule on some of these things. Um, and we'll see, you know, with the, with the latest suit against the board of directors, you know, what happens with that. Um, I think certainly in some of the individual cases, I think uh, gradually, I think, you know, the, some of the things will be dismissed uh, yeah. against, uh, because my understanding is that not all of the board, you know, actually got the chance to vote on that or participate in that particular decision. So, uh, but it's, again, it, I think the USSF will be able to manage it. Um, but again, well, there are a lot of unknowns here. I'm going to wrap up with you in a second. Um, just kind of something more on the field. Who, who do you think uh, the U.S. is going to, now that Carlos is in and they're going to start looking at coaching candidates, who, what kind of candidate you think they're gonna they're gonna start looking for? You, you know, if you have an individual name in mind, you could throw it out there, or maybe just like a general idea of the type of of manager they're looking for. Well, I mean, Tata Martino's name has been put out there. I mean, that was one that I suggested, you know, right in the aftermath of, of what happened in Trinidad. Um, you know, Bielsa is another one that you know people have been putting forth. You know, so far, Martino has said he's not interested in the job. He, he wants to stay on with Atlanta. Um, you know, if you're looking at domestic candidates, uh, I, I certainly think the profiles of, of people like Greg Berhalter and, and Greg Vanny, um, 
you know, and, and Peter Vermes, I mean, Peter Vermes is a guy who's been kind of touted as, as a possible candidate as well. I know that when they made the decision, you know, the USSF made the decision to, to fire Jurgen Klinsmann, you know, Vermes was one of the guys that they reached out to. So, you know, I think all of those guys are, uh, you know, have, have really impressed, you know, over the last year or two. And, and you know, guys like Berhalter and Vanny, I mean, they both played abroad. So, I mean, they've got a little international flair to the way they do things. Um, so I think those names are, are ones that, that we'll, we'll see linked with the job. Um, you know, what direction the USSF ends, ends up going, I, I think to a large degree that's going to depend on, on who gets the GM role. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you know, we'll have a better idea of what, uh, you know, just you know, exactly what the, the USSF is thinking in, in terms of a new manager. But um, you know, that, that's got to come first. And uh, that person's going to lead the, the coaching search, and, and, and then we'll see what happens. But um, so, I mean, in terms of names for that, I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I think the fact that Ernie Stewart was uh, linked with a similar post in Holland, you know, I, I, I would imagine that the USSF would reach out to him and at least try to gauge his interest. Um, you know, Garth Lagerwey is another guy who I think is is very smart and, and, and could do well. But, you know, it, it, it's also a question of whether they really want to leave the club game and, and go into kind of more of a, an administrative type role with the USSF. I mean, you know, we'll have to figure out in the, in the coming months, you know, whether that kind of post with, with the Federation actually appeals to them. I think my listeners' ears will perk up. Uh, you're saying, uh, uh, throwing Stewart's name out there, but uh... – I think we're going to wrap it up on that, Jeff. I want to thank you very much for joining me. Uh, please let my listeners know uh, where uh, where they can find your stuff and where they can find you out on social media. Yeah, on Twitter, you, they can reach me at uh, at Jeffrey Carlisle, and then uh, you know online it's you know, we're we're ESPN dot com slash soccer now. So they they mm-hmm. they've kind of you know uh, in terms of the ESPN FC domain name, they, they've kind of uh, put that to bed for the time being. So, uh, yeah, again, it's ESPN.com slash soccer is, is where you can find my work. Uh, Jeff, always a pleasure. Hope to have you on again soon. Absolutely. Anytime. Take care. ESPN's Jeff Carlisle for joining us, talking about the United States soccer presidential elections. Now we have Christian O'Leary from Blank City FC. Give us a little background story how you came to how you came to America and how you landed in uh, Lake City of all places with a with a brand new uh, uh, soccer team. Um, well, I've been looking to get over to to America for uh, a couple of years now. Um, looking at various opportunities, and I seen um, I got talked to the Drew, the owner, on um, on the web, and uh, just started speaking to him general generally, and he started telling me about the plans he has for the for the club, um, and between us we both sort of put some ideas together, and uh, the, uh, the team was the team was born a little bit premature, I believe so. But it's uh, it's all set up and ready to go this year. Um, so the rosters I've kind of looked at it. It's, it's a really interesting mix. You have some younger guys still in college coming out of college. You have um, some older veterans that have played in America for a while, and you're 
getting guys from overseas from Europe. Uh, so how what's the process of kind of player acquisition for uh, for Atlantic City FC? I, I think because it's a new a new team and totally new, um, and obviously we're bringing in myself coming from the UK. Um, we've also got Chris, who's uh, going to be the running the day to day, the club day to day. He's coming from the UK as well. We sort of try to give as broad a player roster as possible. So, I mean, with the experienced lads, because they've never been together. Obviously, some people have played in America, some people haven't, some people experience Europe. It's just trying to get a balance between experienced youth, local lads, people who we took. What's big for me is building building a, a team, but not just a team on the pitch, but a team and a club for the city, giving something, uh, giving the city something to be proud of. You obviously have some 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 coaching experience at some some really high levels in in England. What what do you take from your experiences there that you can you can bring to the Atlantic City Club? Um, well, uh, I've I've coached at all levels from uh, six year olds right the way up to Premier League level, uh, EPL level, uh, up until two thousand sixteen. So it's um, it's a general everything, you know. I, while I was at uh, back coaching at Swansea, we helped build uh, the academy there as well and get that up and running. So that will enable me to help with the the building of the club because you know we're going to come across problems, no doubt, because we've never been there before. So it's how we deal with those problems and with the experience I've had, um, not just on the pitch coaching and playing, but off the pitch as well. We're, we're, you know, we'll certainly certainly help in that aspect. On the pitch, I just want what what I envisage, what I'd like is is a club, and I think we'd all want majority, obviously, a winning team. But when you do win, everyone's got a smile on their face. Be it myself, the players, the co- the fans, the coaches, uh, and, and like I said to you, with the, if we can put a smile on the people in the faces with the jerseys on in Atlantic City, it'd be fantastic. Let's talk about a little bit about your your playing career. I mean, you know, over three hundred appearances for Swansea. Uh, you were there for a long time. You wore the captain's armband at some point. You were, uh, uh, I think, player of the year for Swansea. Uh, can you talk a little bit about your? I mean, it was a very it was a very long career uh, with that team. Uh, yeah. You know, very very well supported team uh, that you know soccer fans here know a lot about. You know, Bob Bradley there with his short stand, and they've been in the EPL, yeah, a pretty solid yeah. EPL team. A little struggling a little bit this year, but uh, they've been in the EPL for a while now. So, t- can you talk a little bit about what it was like playing for uh, Swansea? Yeah, no, it's a fantastic club, and it's um, hoping to to take some of that over, uh, bring some of that over with myself to to Atlantic City because it's a club which, um, the, geographically, it's probably it's the furthest west um, because we're in, obviously, the country of Wales. So it's ooh, 100 plus miles from London. But we, so it's, it's, it's on its own. And wh- where it's based, the players would come. And you couldn't... Um, it's very unlikely you're going to live anywhere else other than in Swansea. So it became a, uh, a club where every day you had interaction with the supporters, constant interaction. So everybody became, it was like a family-type club. Um, I grew up about 10 miles away from the from the ground. <clears throat> and I used to go and watch them as a kid. Um, had the opportunity to sign for them when I was 14, uh, which was like a youth, this pre-youth contract. 
went there as a youth team player, made my debut when I was playing in the youth team, um, and then went on from there. Spent the best part of 16 years there playing, um, captain it for uh, captain the club for a year, and then went back coaching um, oh, 2012 until 16 uh, at different levels. Um, but to play for your hometown club was was fantastic, and it was on on the rise. And we've had some some tough times at Swansea. I know you obviously you see the Swansea now of the uh, the EPL over the last seven or eight seven years. I think it is now. Uh, before that, it was there was a lot of dark times at Swansea. Um, we managed just to stay in the football league itself in 2003 on the last day, and we sort of built on from there. Moved to a new stadium, experienced the the highs and lows of the leaving the old stadium, which was you know, very sad for a lot of people, but into the new challenges of the new stadium, which enabled the club to build to get to the EPL. But we've, I had some fantastic times there. Won a number of trophies at different league levels. and It was, uh, it was a pleasure and an honour to represent them for that length of time. So obviously Atlantic City is a little bit different than, than Swansea. Uh, what has your experience been like since you've gotten over to the States and uh, been around Atlantic City a little bit? Yeah, um, well, I haven't managed to get uh, spend too much time there at the, at the moment, um, so I'm back and forth with the UK. So it's uh, not like it's going to be great. Um, I'm so excited, and I think the whole club is, and everybody uh, attached to it. And like I said to you before, we we are definitely going to come up against some challenges on the way uh, now, before, during, and after the season. But those challenges, we, we're there to accept and, and face, you know, on the front foot and, and get through them. But it's about, for me, it's it's more than just the football match at the or the soccer match at the end of the end of the week. It's it's the build up to it. It's the getting the club on the right foot and building the interest around Atlantic City and the surrounding areas um, as much as we can. I've already been in contact with. There's a few Swansea fans in Philadelphia, um, yeah. so I've managed to to speak to them, and they've promised we've I've already organised, so they got their their tickets to come and watch us. So <laughs> we're going to have a big uh, Philadelphia Swansea <laughs> Jack fans coming over to uh, to watch the games. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that as well, and I've promised I'll go and watch a couple of games with them, Swansea games, and just sort of build up the the relationship between the local people and and ourselves as a club. Now that sounds great. It sounds like a great way to kind of make a connection for a new team like Atlantic City to kind of reach out. You know, you have that Swansea connection and there's fans in the area. Um, how much do you know generally about kind of the way American soccer works with MLS? And it's not the traditional promotion relegation system. It's it's a little more, you know, North American style sports system. So how familiar yeah, are you I, with kind of I like mean, American sports in general and like kind of American soccer? Look, I'm, I'm an avid fan. I'm not going to say that I'm, I know everything. I, I don't know everything that goes on in the in the British game, if, I, if I'm honest. Uh, but I'm, I'm there to learn myself and what, what I don't know, I'll soon get up to speed with. I mean, I, I got very trusted people over there um, mm-hmm. working that has been there from the incision from the start of this and uh, working very hard to get what I've asked for and what we think we need as a as a club. Um, but no, I'll get up to speed with it. I, I'm, like I said to you, I'm not going to stand you on the, on the phone to you and say, look, I know everything that goes on. 
but I like the system. Obviously, I'm, I'm brought up with, and I think personally think that generally for the the in the, the for the good of the game in the, in the future, I think that uh, possibly the, the the MLS and the rest of the soccer federation possibly should come up with a promotion relegation. I think it adds that little bit more, and and I've I've thrived on the pressure um, throughout my career. It's always been pressure either to win or to stay up to get promoted to to build to win it's it's uh it's something which i think they they benefit from certainly well christian i want to thank you so much for uh joining us tonight i know you're busy getting the team together uh t- t- let, let our listeners know when's the uh, when's the first the uh, first game uh uh people can, can get to see on city fc first game will be the 5th of may 5th of may and who are you guys uh facing uh, we have a friendly uh, against uh, Nebraska Bug Eaters. Wow, interesting. It's a bit of a different name for myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's not one that I've, I've come up across uh, very often. Yeah, but I me, minor league sports in America is great. It's great that uh, there's a team. Uh, there's another team down at Jersey Shore. I'm sure you probably know the, the Nor'easters. They've built up a pretty good following, so it's going to be cool. Maybe you guys get a little rivalry going on. It's a different. You guys are in yeah, different well, leagues. I, and... I, yeah, but I think that's what exciting about mm-hmm. it as well it's it's totally fresh mm-hmm. you know we we've got a clean slate we can do not what we want but we can build it how we want and it's vital for me and for the owners just to get everybody on board as many people as we can and just build a following right? you know and whether they you know live 200 yards from the <laughs> atlantic city or you know 20 miles it, it doesn't matter as long as they're there and we can help them uh, support us and follow us it's going to be fantastic well, Coach, sounds like you're off to a great start, and uh, we look forward to seeing uh, seeing you guys on the field. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Look forward to meeting you all. All right, take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Radio.com. And that was uh, Lang City FC, their first coach, Christian O'Leary. Um He's got the energy, man. Yeah, he does. He's, he's, he's pumped. He's, he's ready. He, he sounds. That's, uh, that's good. Yeah. No. It, it's 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 going to be interesting. When I saw this kind of happening, and you know, I'm grew up out in that part of uh, South Jersey, close to a uh, close to Lake City. So that really piqued my interest. I was like, yeah. oh, this, you know, it's definitely exciting. And the Norwegians are down there. They have a pretty good following and a pretty good thing down in Lake City, uh, in Ocean City, going on. So it's it's cool. They're you know they're in the PDL. Uh, Langsy's going to be NPSL, which yes. is you know different. But I'm sure they'll figure out a way to. I, I mean, there has it, to be a logical. battle of the Jersey Shore. At I mean, some it's point, logical right? that these two teams will play each other. Um, <laughs> but it, it's great, and you know, my thing is more soccer is always better. Yeah, <laughs> it's always good to have more soccer. And I mean, and it, being able to attract talent like that. I mean, mm-hmm. you had a guy that was up until 2016 an assistant manager at a Premier League club yeah. under under Gary Monk, who is kind of still regarded as one yeah. of the more up-and-coming managers in the, the English game. So, you know, I, I don't even see MLS attracting coaches like that. No, <laughs> seriously. So, I mean, you know, the guy with you know, not only a good coaching pedigree, you've like 300 appearances. Yeah, 300 appearances for yeah. Swansea through the through the different divisions yeah. and, uh, and you know, his hometown team and opportunity to coach with them and play with them and, and do all that and coming over to an expansion, you know, Third, fourth division yeah. uh, team in in South Jersey. It's it's that's a good feather in Atlantic City's cap for sure. Absolutely. And they're drawing. You look at the roster. You know they're getting the kids that are you know in college 
and they're coming out of college and all that. And but there's guys that have you know have had pretty solid European careers yeah. that are coming over. And you know, some I think they just signed uh, one guy who's uh, on Indy Eleven and the NASL. It was, it was going to play for them, and it's it's just it's it's been interesting to see kind of the marketing and, and, and dropping some of the names and the and all that. So uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be exciting, and it, it, it just adds to the you know the, the soccer picture in in the Philadelphia area. So that's that's. Yeah. Cool. Do you think they're going to tease the kit for two months? Is that coming? <laughs> No. Oh, sorry. No, I had to get that in was, that. That was funny. Um, so let's talk about the big team then. And uh, Eagles. Yeah, it's tough. To, <laughs> <laughs> tough to avoid, man. It's tough to avoid the Eagles. Yeah. And, uh, that's part no, of the reason, whole city has been crazy that, for two weeks. That's part of the reason awesome. why we took a couple weeks off. Who's like, you know? Can yeah, we, do we the thought podcast? about recording this last week, and then but we were like, like, who the hell is going to listen to? Cares? <laughs> Nobody's going to listen to us. Yeah. In the middle of, but you know, things have quieted down. Did a you go to the parade? I was here uh, yeah. producing uh, our coverage, but we had guys in the field, and it was fantastic. Obviously, yeah. it was a it was it was a lot of lot of excitement. I, cu- I couldn't get to the the museum. It was we were yeah. we were closed for the day, being on the parkway. Right. So uh, I, was, I watched from home. I was I was not yeah willing to, was, to check down. No, there, it was but, a great experience for the area. Yeah, I mean, that's, no, it's, that's, it's that's, been a lot of fun. That's as good as it can ever be. I think yeah. I, I don't know what could top that. I mean, no. if they win again, just that experience no, the of first the first. Time, yeah, no, the first. Super Bowl, the first parade for the Super Bowl, um, and and yeah, and it's great to see the city get caught up in that. And, it, it really has been. It's, so it's been fun. <laughs> but so let's talk about the union. Yeah. Uh, not uh. a whole heck of a lot to talk about. They're kind of getting through their. They finally released the kit, though. They released. We, the we kit. haven't had done a podcast since they released the kit, which is a nice kit. It's it's good. It's yeah. a very nice kit. And I, I like it a lot. I like the the uh, the hoops. Yeah, I mean, I'm a hoops person, running know, fan. You're, you're so, with your they uh, still got the white kit for the. the I hate the white kit, kit still. <laughs> not um, a fan. Not no, a fan I, of that. Um, I, so, I like I like the home kit. I I do like the hoops. Mm-hmm. But a team that's eight year old, eight years old, has had so little identity in those eight years, besides the identity of being a mediocre team in MLS. To get rid of the gold stripe was kind of a bold move for me, and I I think it. It's it's a little risky. It is. Um, and can you go back to it now? I don't know. I don't miss it personally. It was never my f- yeah. favorite thing in the world. I mean, they had a very unique my kit up to probably this one. My kit's still my favorite kit's still the first first year. Yeah. It was just it was kind of because it was the first year and all that, and then it was it was a clean kit. It didn't have the the the, the sponsorship on it yeah. yet and all that. Um, but I I, I don't know. It, it, just my thing has always been with the union that they talk about certain things a lot like tradition and this and that. And like you said, they're an eight-year-old team. So, yes, you've been trying to build an identity and that, that gold stripes, the thing, the thing. But also, they're an eight-year-old team. And if you want to – you still have room and time. This isn't like the Phillies – Going brown or something like yeah. that. That's not, it's not that a team that's been red for you know 150 yeah, years. No, you're right. So if I'm fine with the union mixing things up because they don't as much as they tried, especially under the old regime, to have this identity that I don't think they ever really latched onto or ever really earned. So I'm you know it's fine that they're trying things i'm okay with that 
personally. I mean, a lot of people will probably disagree with me. I know a lot of people probably have. I, I mean, but. I don't disagree completely, though. You know, I, I agree. I think that there is there is room for experimentation. Mm-hmm. I, I, I wish, you know, I think that you have more room to experiment with your change kit, which yeah. doesn't seem to change. Um, and is possibly the dullest change you know, kit in the friggin' league. I'm not crazy about white. I hate white kits. I just don't kits. like white and kits. And I think white kits... And I just think, with the Union's color palette, you have so much to work right, with. Right. You have the, the, the city colors of Philadelphia are interesting and somewhat based around the Union's colors. I liked, what was it, the second or third year? That, it was like, like the light blue. The light bl- I love that. I liked it. I yeah. didn't like it initially. It really grew on me. Light and blue actually, and yellow. I, it's the color I, of our I, city flag. And I ended up picking, up, picking one up, yeah. and I still have it. I really like it. So, if they... If it was like a solid with that color or solid, maybe like the way they do the shoulders a little darker, like kind of a two tone. If they did something like that, but I don't know. Some with white kits, I think you, you know, teams with white kits are very much identified by that, like Tottenham. Right. You, you hear Tottenham, you think white kit. I mean, you know, Swansea, we're just mm-hmm. talking, talking the, the coach O'Leary. Yeah, Swansea is very identified yeah. with a white kit. It almost makes a statement when you have yeah. a white kit. So, it, it, it's I don't know. <laughs> so I, I I don't know if the white kit's part of their identity. You, you know what I'm saying? Uh, it, it's just weird. Yeah. It's just that's always the impression I got from like teams with white kits that it's very much it, it's a big statement for some reason. Yeah, but to no, me, all the te- all the teams that you just named is their their first kit. Right, the identifying right exactly. Thing. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. I don't know. To, to not they haven't changed the, the change kit in two two turns now, yeah. and I guess we'll see what they do next year. Um, I'm just hoping it's something else. That'd be nice. So, should we get to the player signing? Yeah, let's let's let's. <laughs> they still have David, they still signed David Akam. That's still that's the thing that still happened. Yep, and yep, that's kind of where we're at. Yep, no ten, no ten, no new left back, no nope. uh, veteran guy at center back. These are things I want. I don't know if yeah. they um, some things you're percolating up from Florida. You're hearing I I I don't know what they're doing. Uh, they, they played a scrimmage today against they, Orlando. Yeah, I think they lost three to one. It was hard to keep. They're score doing on kind Twitter. of weird, like kind of split squad, yeah. split game. I mean, thing. always the the point of the stuff is not the the wins and losses no, and no, the goals I'm, and the goals against, but you know, you'd still like to. I think you know the Chicago game ended zero zero. Mm-hmm. Um, they were able to beat up on was it South Florida? Yes. I don't remember the college. Yeah, one of the Florida schools. Yeah, um, I mean that was good to see. I think it was like five one in the final. Mm-hmm. And, bunch of the guys that scored were guys that you were hoping that would score right um but i'm 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 kind of with you i'm big you know preseasons for getting guys kind of in shape yeah getting the rhythm going uh, if you win you win you lose you lose whatever don't let anybody get hurt although we heard uh, you'll see you know i think sound like he picked yeah up a i knock. saw that on twitter that some kind of picked up some sort of knock before the scrimmage today not even in the scrimmage. I mean, as I stand, this team's still very incomplete to me. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they were they were incomplete at the end of last season, right. and they've signed exactly one player. Right. I mean, he's one pl- he's one heck of a player, and I think right. he's a player that makes them better. But it, it sounds like I don't know what they're doing at the ten. It sounds like things you're hearing that Najem is starting to take control of that spot, Adam Najem. Which is fine, I guess. I mean, that's what they wanted him to do. They, you know, sorry, they brought him in to uh, to do that to kind of be a young player to make a step up. But I still think you know they're 
other options out there that I think they'll can more immediately make you a better team. I don't know what's happening with uh, Lee Wynn apparently is back in training with New England. Uh, you know, he's holding out for a trade. That nobody. Yeah. It sounds like he blinked first, so he's back. He's back with the team. I don't know yeah, how the, that the, ends. The, and the rumors that I heard coming out of MLS were that he was still looking for a trade, but he, that New England was asking for a lot. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's what I heard through a person that heard it from a person that heard it from a person. So right. I mean. I was hoping somebody at the Super Bowl would ask Robert Kraft about about the New England situation. <laughs> I would, who? <laughs> yeah, I have a soccer team. <laughs> oh Sorry. man, somebody should have told me about that. <laughs> um, no, I, but I, I digress. I, um, I, th- I think the real frustration for for me is, and I think a lot of other Union fans still is that you cleared so much money last season mm-hmm. by by guys getting you know shipped out or, or deciding to leave or, or or whatever, and you've not spent half of what you cleared really and you've not spent any money to bring in any players no, you, 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 you spent you know the the, the, the garbage monopoly yeah, money the garber bucks on, on a com, which is you know we we don't want to harp on the com acquisition because i think everyone's in pretty universal agreement that that was a, a good deal mm. oh, for yeah, the, for the union I, I think they, they spent wisely yeah. they, they they seem to have them locked up for a couple more years so even if they sell them on they'll they'll seemingly get a transfer fee but to, to but Jay Sugarman not to dip into any money to sign a player is is almost unfathomable after last season. Yeah, and it's 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 it, you don't know what to think because you hear Ernie what was it last year said oh Jay's never said no to us, and then he comes out in the in the papers and he talked to uh, Matt DeGeorge and Jonathan Tannenwall our, our, our two good friends saying yeah I could. You know, I want to. You know, I want to spend money. I want to see this this thing go forward. I mean, he had some caveats though, and you know, talking about the academy, and he wants to spend money on getting chemistry. I'm not sure what that means, but fine. Yeah. You want to spend money? You want to spend money? <laughs> but it hasn't come to fruition yet. Yeah, and they always leave things late, and we know that. And I mean, this is this is beyond late at this point. This is I very mean, late. I, mean, I, I looked into it like. I feel like Harris came in late last year, mm-hmm. and that was the last day of January. And here we are on Valentine's Day recording this, and there, there's there's no rumblings of anything else coming. Yeah, and and they seem they seem content to to roll with what they have. And I don't know if they're content with, but it seems that they're they're going to do do that. They're going well, to roll forward. L- with last what they time, have. last time I recorded, I said if they go out there, they get a ten. They get the Lee win or a guy from. South America, a guy from Europe who's a really good, you know, exactly what they need at that position, the playmaking guy to push your, your offense. Yeah. And your defense isn't awful. I'm not asking a ton out of these guys. I'm asking them to be average. You know, then they're, they're a, you know, a good bet to be a playoff team. Just yeah. the way MLS is. Yeah, I think, and I think I, you have I a good think, chance of challenging for I, I, three through six. At that I point. think I think some teams around you maybe have taken a little step back that you can jump on that. As of today, I don't know if they're a playoff team because they are. I don't think they are. Still incomplete. They 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 have the same problem that they had going into last year. Yeah, I think that they're not the teams around them got better. I think New England is maybe the only team that hasn't. Yeah. Improved. I don't know about Red Bulls. I don't know. Like, I it's can't hard get to a, read Red Bulls. I, I can't get a feel. You know, they they got, got rid of Kleshin. You know, I, I I don't know where they're at. I don't know what what, what if they're 
going to try to retool for a year. Yeah, I don't. Either. I can't get a feel for them. But if if that's true, that's a team that's coming back towards you that you can you know jump over. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do at, at this point. And, and there's no. Uh, yeah, you know, hopefully, you know, knowing the union, you know, we'll record this, put this to bed, and they'll sign somebody in like ten minutes and <laughs> make this podcast. Move, I, will, but... I will do that every week. If that's what it takes. <laughs> um, so there's that. So uh, we did. I did talk to Jeff Carl a little bit earlier in the week, which you know, which you heard in, in earlier in the podcast. Uh, your quick impressions on what's going on with uh, U.S. soccer? Yeah, I guess that was a little bit of a surprise. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think I fully knew what to expect from that election because. I don't think I've really paid attention to it right. in the past. Um, and, you know, obviously this one was much, much higher stakes with everything that's gone on in U.S. soccer in the last year. Um, so new U.S. soccer president seems, you know, he's an inside guy, mm-hmm. which I think maybe a lot of people might be disappointed with. I think I was a little disappointed with. Um, it It seems like he spent most of his time lobbying the people that were voting instead of talking media. to the media yeah, like a lot of the other candidates seem to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I don't know how to feel about that. I mean, I, I feel like I didn't know a lot about him before he was elected. And I've, I've read the articles that have come out. Um, yeah. I actually, um, so I think, I mean, I didn't really hear his name kicked around much until no. maybe an hour before the elections where yeah, yeah. it seemed like he, he, he rose to the top, uh, leapfrogging Carter, who, who was, uh, the consensus yeah. favorite for a while. Uh, and, and this is a, a bit, all of this is a bit esoteric. I, I get that. Who's running soccer and, and, and what? And, and I think he said I, some, some good things so far, yeah. though. Like, I th- I think he wants to be more transparent than mm-hmm. U.S. soccer has been in the past, which I think is, is the right thing to say, and, and they have to follow through on it. And I th- also, uh, I brought this up with Jeff, that unlike Sunil Gulati, he's not going to be the all-powerful right. All singing, all dancing, for, for this GM hammer positions. of God. Where, yeah, the power is going to be more diffused down with the GM, with the board being more active and being, you know, more more of a consensus and, and kind of making decisions that way instead of, you know, Sneal's going to do this. He, he did that and didn't seem like he always got feedback or input. Or, right. And, and you know what? The guy was there for 20 years or whatever. If a person's in power that long, they're not. It's just kind of human nature that you just consolidate that power around you and you act the way you you want to act. Right. I mean, be a president of a company, you know, leader of a country, anything, anything. You're in power for that long. It 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 kind of you know changes the way you make decisions, right? Like it. And, of course. Um. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what goes forward, and it's especially if and when they when they hire a. a men's national team coach and a GM. I, I don't know. Yeah. I assume the GM hiring comes first and then. Yeah. And I, I've heard, uh, how was it? Gareth Lagerway's Yeah. Name. Gareth Lagerway. Um, even Jeff brought Bernie. Uh, it was a name. I don't, I don't, obviously I don't think that's, I think as a person that covers the union, I wouldn't go that way. But, <laughs> or, so, or as a person that covers the union, I would go that way. Hey, oh, uh, <laughs> sneaky. Um, so, you know, I think it's enough of that for right now. Yeah. Uh, so everybody's, uh, you know, excited about champions league. Yeah, a big game today. I, I haven't. I was unfortunately at work, but I will go home and catch the replay mm-hmm. of PSG at Madrid because that is a tasty, tasty Certainly. tie. Certainly, uh, uh, seems like uh, it seems like it was a good game until Madrid's second goal yeah. from from what I read on the, the Twitter. Yeah, Juventus and uh, Spurs two two. Yeah, that seemed really, like a really good game. Good, good business from yeah, Spurs. I to saw get, the highlights. To get, you know, to get the get the draw coming out of Italy. Yeah, especially and, going down two nil. Yeah, good, and, good on them. Uh, Arsenal's playing in Europa when they're strikers next t- tomorrow, so that's uh, you know that's that's life. And yeah, 
<laughs> it's life in the big city. Uh, you know, uh, Reading lost at Middlesbrough this I'm weekend, sorry. so you know, I I've got that going for me. Yeah. <laughs> so I think we'll wrap it up on that. Uh, uh, I want to thank. I'm going to head to the bar. I want to thank our guest uh, Jeff Carlisle talking about the U.S. soccer elections and uh, Coach uh, Christian O'Leary. Well, I'd like to talk to you anytime. Who sure for that I, accent? I think <laughs> I think he, uh, you know, him and Harris are like neck and neck on who who could be our like our third co-host. Yeah, so, yeah out of the players. We gotta get but, Harris to call in soon. Oh, definitely. Yeah, uh, for sure. Harris. Yeah, it's always great to have Harris Madunian on. But you know, Coach O'Leary from Atlantic City FC, the expansion team out for NPSL, and they're going to be playing at Stockton University this year. I think the plan is. I didn't. We didn't get too, too much into that. I think the plan is to actually get into the city somewhere oh, at some point. But I think initially they're going to uh, uh, be playing at Stockton just to you know to kind of get on the field somewhere. So I think initially uh, the plan is down the road to uh, get into Atlantic City proper. So that'll be great. And uh, I want to thank uh, Mike for coming in and my co-host seat. And I want to. Uh, We'll catch all of you next week.